Give me a light. Do you remember those eye-catching and funny Bud Light commercials back when Super Bowl commercials were truly memorable? A guy comes into a bar and orders a beer by saying, give me a light. And all of a sudden the lights come on and a dog jumps through a burning hoop or a table lights up and starts spinning around like a, a ride at an amusement park. Then after being startled, he says, no, a Bud Light. Commercials like that appeal to predominant aspects of our American culture. There are many people who always seem to be looking for a thrill. They like exotic lights and flashy experiences. These people are never satisfied. And so they keep looking for more and more excitement to fill up their lives. They tend to have low commitment levels because nothing can hold their attention very long. Then there are people who could be characterized as wanting to escape from reality. They desire the light surface level path through life. Heavy drug or alcohol use is an attempt to avoid dealing with personal difficulties and the realities of life. Now, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that alcohol is bad in and of itself, for Jesus said, it's not what goes into a person that defiles him or her. It's what happens inside and what proceeds out of a person. But the fact remains that there are many people who have a drinking problem and thus avoid being fully engaged in life. The point is, there are lots of thrill-seekers in our world, those who love to live on the edge, as it were. And there are lots of people who seek to escape reality and responsibility, fearing the depths of life. In both cases, there is a disengagement from the meaning of existence. But there is a third light option this morning, and it is the light of faith. The person who's characterized as always wanting a Bud Light is like the red light on a traffic signal. They want to put on the brakes of life, chill out, and avoid. The person seeking thrills is like the yellow light on a traffic signal. They want to hit the accelerator of life, and speed on with excitement. While the person of faith could be compared to the green light, going forward according to God's plan. So, when we in the Christian community say, give me a light, it can be a statement of true trust and dependence on God. Our Judeo-Christian tradition is rooted in light images. In the first chapter of Genesis, the creation story comes alive when God says, let there be light, and there was. The psalmist of old could write, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In confidence, we can say, Give me a light. And yet, and yet it doesn't take much to see that there's a great deal of darkness in the world around us. One need not look further than the media, newspapers, television, the internet, or the streets of our major cities, let alone places like Israel, the Middle East, 
Africa, Central and South America, to know that we live in a dark world, a world of struggle, a world of hatred, greed, violence, oppression, starvation, and war. Jean-Baptiste Clements, narrator of Albert Camus' The Fall, represents modern people in their desperate search for meaning. Near the end of his monologue, Clements says, I'm like that old beggar who wouldn't let go of my hand one day on a cafe terrace. Oh, sir, he said, it's not just that I'm no good, but you lose track of the light. How many of us could admit there have been times in our lives, perhaps even now, when we have lost track of the light? It can be very frightening to feel engulfed in darkness. I'm reminded of that wonderful story of the little girl in London after the Second World War whose father was explaining to her that they would no longer have to darken all the windows at night in order to prepare for the air raids. And she said to her father, I know we no longer have to keep the light in, but how will we keep the darkness We can easily understand a child who is afraid of the dark. But what about us as adults? Are we too afraid of darkness? And now I'm not just talking about outer darkness, but also the darkness within. Those dark thoughts, feelings, and desires that loom somewhere within our unconscious and conscious mind. Psychiatrist Carl Jung understood that we all have a dark side whether we recognize it or not. And it is of great help if we do. The problem with not recognizing our inner darkness is that we will never own it. And that runs the risk of projecting it out onto others and the world. We are called to examine ourselves and remove the log from our own eyes first before we try to remove the speck from our neighbor's eye. I'm convinced that it is just a part of human nature, to avoid and deny the evil and ugly things about ourselves because well, because it's very painful if we do. And yet, over and against all that is a striking characteristic of Christianity. For the Christian faith at its best never denies the darkness of our world nor the darkness within each person. It recognizes it. But Christianity never gives in to the darkness. For our faith affirms that darkness is never the final word. So it is that Christianity has been rightly described as the religion of the dawn. Because it has a dawn answer. It does not pretend that there is no night. Nor does it counsel that Nothing can be done to hasten the dawn. But it is a religion of unquenchable faith and hope and patience. Unquenchable because it believes that the permanent thing is light and the passing thing is darkness. But however long the night, whether it be in world affairs or the poignant private world of the human heart, the night will pass 
All things private and worldwide are in the hands of God, who is in complete control. And so we do affirm the bright post-resurrection message of Easter, that in Christ, light has truly come into the world. The writer of John's Gospel proclaims in the first chapter that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that the light continues to shine in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Give me a light. So what about us? What is our response to the light? Jesus put it well in our text that Michael read for us. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. We need to be open and receptive to the light so that it might fill us, and then we need to share the light with others. For Jesus said in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A teacher asked a small boy this question. If someone gave you two apples and I ask you for one, how many will you have left? And without hesitation, the boy replied, two. <laughs> this is no mistaken math, but a mistaken attitude toward life. What's mine is mine, and sharing is an option. Dr. Harold E. Hyde, former president of New Hampshire's Plymouth State College, once gave what is probably the shortest commencement address in history. Here's what he said to the graduating class. He simply set forth three ideals. Know thyself, Socrates. Control yourself, Cicero. Give yourself Jesus. Friends, Christ came and gave himself to the world as a light. And he said, you are the light of the world. You see, we receive the light of Christ and we pass it on. And we need to remember that we are not the source of light. We draw from a source other than our own. The source is God in Christ. And light stands for the deep issues of life. Not the temporary thrills of excitement seeking, nor the light of superficial existence of those wishing only to avoid. No, like the shine of the sun, it takes in all upon which it falls. And the love and light of God do shine on in our world. They shine on in our very lives if we will but let them. And when we recognize the light which radiates in our inner person, we are led to the outer recognition of light in our world. We will receive the grace and responsibility of such light when we say to God from the depths of our hearts, give me a light. In closing, I'd like to share a true story that comes from the late 1800s. It's the humble story of a woman born in Germany in 1846 who, was, as an adult, came to the U.S. with her young son. 
and as a single parent, she began working as a waitress. And here are her own words. I was living at Sandy Hook when I met Jacob Walker. He kept the Sandy Hook lighthouse. He took me to that lighthouse as his bride. I enjoyed it, for it was on land, and I could keep a garden and raise vegetables and flowers. After a few years, my husband was transferred to Robin's Reef. Robin's Reef is a submerged ledge a mile from Staten Island on the west side of the main channel into the inner harbor of New York City, a hidden ridge of rocks that caused numerous shipwrecks. The day we came here, I said, I won't stay. The sight of water, whichever way I look, makes me lonesome and blue, and I refuse to unpack my trunks and boxes. I unpacked them a little at a time, and after a while, they were all unpacked, and I stayed. A few years later, my husband caught a heavy cold while tending the light, and it turned into pneumonia. It was necessary to take him to the Smith Infirmary on Staten Island, where he could have have better care than I could give him in the lighthouse. I could not leave the light to be with him, and he understood. One night, while I sat up there tending the light, I saw a boat coming. Something told me what news it was bringing me. I expected the words that came up out of the darkness. We are sorry, Mrs. Walker. Your husband took a turn for the worse. He's dead, I said. We buried him in the cemetery on the hill. And every morning when the sun comes up, I stand at the porthole. And I look out that porthole to the hill toward his grave. Sometimes the hills are white with snow and sometimes they're green. Sometimes they're brown. But there always seems to come a message from that grave. It's what I heard Jacob say more often than anything else in his life, just three words, mind the light. Mrs. Walker, still keeping the light, was 70 years old when the reporter interviewed her and shared that story, and her husband had been gone 32 years. And so we recall these words of the Apostle Paul. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. May each one of us go forth into the days ahead asking God to give me a light. That is our task. We have the light from God through Jesus Christ. And we are now called to mind. To mind and share the light. Amen.